You are listening to the Impact Church Podcast. To learn more about Impact Church, visit us online at impactharlem.org. You can also check us out on social media. It's good to be back with you this morning. It was really tough for me not to be here last week. Uh, I went to the doctor Saturday. She told me I had the flu. And I told her I couldn't have the flu because uh, I had to preach. And she said, you're not preaching. She said that y'all wouldn't be happy if I showed up with the flu. So I stayed home and they got mad at me because I gave them the flu. So it wasn't just me. Ansley had the flu and Alden also had the flu. So it was a, a rough weekend, a rough week, uh, the beginning of the week for us. But we're all better. Uh, thank you for your prayers. Pastor Andrew did a great job on 24-hour notice to step in last week and uh, just continue on in our Inside Out series. He finished up chapter 2, and he discussed James's argument that faith without works isn't really a saving faith. Um, and James' argument isn't that you're adding works to your faith in order to be saved. His argument is that real saving faith is accompanied by works. And what he describes as works is simply the royal law that he discusses throughout the whole book of James, and that's to love God with all that you are and to love your neighbor as yourself. And those are the works that are accompanied um, with our faith. So that that's what James was arguing last week, and then he transitions this week into something that his audience struggled mightily with, and it's something that we struggle with today, and it is the tongue. I'm not sure if you've ever said something that you wish you could take back immediately. Anybody ever done that? So here's the deal. Like on, We're so technology-driven on a computer, either it changes what you say for you, or if, if you type something that you really don't like after you read it, you can delete it. And man, it'd be so awesome if we had that capability with our words with our tongue, because there's a lot of things, especially at home, that I say something, and as soon as it comes out, it's like, whoo, delete, 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 and I don't get to delete, and then I usually get in a lot of trouble. So we're going to be in James chapter 3. If you have your Bibles, you can go ahead and turn there, or your phone app, whatever you're going to use this morning. And just a disclaimer as you're turning there, as I was studying this throughout the week, the Spirit was just convicting me uh, of, of my words and the way that I communicate to people, advice that I give to people. Uh, so there's a lot of different areas that the Spirit was just convicting me. And my prayer for us this morning is that we, we really just look at our hearts. We look at our, our words. We look at our life. And we leave here different. We leave here changed. We leave here with a different mindset and a different attitude when it comes to the words that we speak. So James chapter 3, starting at verse 1. It says, Not many of you should become teachers, my brothers, for you know that we who teach will be judged with greater strictness. For we all stumble in many ways. And if anyone does not stumble in what he says, he is a perfect man, able also to bridle his whole body. If we put bits into the mouths of horses so that they obey us, we guide their whole bodies as well. Look at the ships also. Though they are so large and are driven by strong winds, they are guided by a very small rudder wherever the will of the pilot directs. 
So also the tongue is a small member, yet it boasts of great things. How great a forest is set ablaze by such a small fire. And the tongue is a fire, a world of unrighteousness. The tongue is set among our members, staining the whole body, setting on fire the entire course of life, and set on fire by hell. For every kind of beast and bird of reptile and sea creature can be tamed and has been tamed by mankind, but no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. With it we bless our Lord and Father, and with it we curse people who are made in the likeness of God. From the same mouth come blessing and cursing. My brothers, these things ought not to be so. Does a spring pour forth from the same opening both fresh and salt water? Can a fig tree, my brothers, bear olives, or a grapevine produce figs? Neither can a salt pond yield fresh water. Let's pray. God, I just pray that you you bless the reading and the hearing of your word. God, I pray that your spirit stirs us up this morning. God, I pray that we leave here differently than we came in. We give you the honor and the glory. In Jesus' name, amen. So what I don't want to do, because this is a lot, is I don't want to give you just information overload this morning. What I want to do is just simply talk about the tongue. I want to talk about rhetoric and words. And my, my desire for us this morning is that we truly grasp what the Bible has to say about our words. And I want to do it conversationally. So I just want to talk to you guys this morning. I don't want to preach down to you or talk down to you. We all struggle with this. And I think that we can all encourage one another when it comes to our words and how we present ourselves and our rhetoric. Look at Proverbs 18.21. It says, death and life are in the power of the tongue. Death and life. So number one about words is this. Words are full of power. Words are full of power. Again, it says death and life are in the power of the tongue. And you may be saying, hey, that's kind of extreme to say that death and life are in the power of the tongue. So as I was studying this, I just started doing some research about high school age, college age, and young adults who have taken their own lives, not because of depression, not because of of a chemical imbalance of some sort, but simply because of the words of others because they're constantly torn down and beaten down by the rhetoric and the words of others. And in the last three years, man, there were hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of headlines and articles online about these high school students, college-age students and young adults who got to a point because of other people's words that they took their own life. Words are powerful. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. Proverbs 12, 18 says, There is one whose rash words are like sword thrusts, but the tongue of the wise bring healing. So not only do words bring death and life, they bring wounds and also healing. What do, what do we give kids to, to kind of stand against the words of other people? You all know? What's the saying that we give them to go out into the street? Sticks and stones, right? Sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. Who wrote that? Because they were deaf. Like they couldn't hear words. Because words do hurt. Words hurt a lot. And then I think the kids came up with a just rubber and glue bounces off of me and sticks to you type saying. And again, man, these sayings are just some some frail attempt that we give kids to 
to overcome the power of words, but words hurt. Words wound. If you think back to your childhood, and, and maybe it really didn't have an impact at the time, but somebody said something to you that cut at some point in your life. And maybe at the time it, it really wasn't a big deal to you, but you've noticed as you've gotten older that that still comes up and it dictates the way that you behave as an adult. But not only do words have the power to heal or to to wound, they also have the power to heal. And James jumps in here and then says that, hey, this is especially true for teachers. James gives a warning here for teachers and the warnings for a couple of reasons. One is teachers, you're going to be judged with a stricter judgment. And two, you might poison the very community that you are called to teach. So what do I mean by that? If you sit under someone who only knows what is wrong and never points you to what is right, you will be an expert at all things wrong, but you'll have no idea how to do things right. So be careful who you listen to. If you tear down everything and you don't build something in its place, then we end up homeless. And that's what a lot of teachers do is they can point out everything wrong but they never lead to what is right. So they tear down and tear down and tear down and they're building nothing up. So be careful who you listen to. Be careful who you sit under, but also be careful with stepping into a space and pretending to be an expert when you're not. How many of you have ever pretended to be an expert on something when you're really not? Don't be afraid to raise your hand. So I'm not trying to terrify you from giving advice this morning. I'm trying to encourage you to make sure that the advice you give is biblical advice and not just your opinion. Because let me tell you something. This, if we give advice from here, this never changes. If we give advice from here and our opinion, man, that changes all the time. And I I was thinking back, and I've given a lot of advice over the years, uh, especially in high school and college. And man, I thought I was an expert on life. And man, I'm, I'm 33 and I'm still not there. But I just remember some of the advice that I, I used to give. And man, and looking back, it's like, that was crazy. Like if people really listened to me, like I had to call 50 people before I preached this message just to apologize for some of the advice that I gave. I mean, it was horrible. So what is unchanging is the Word of God. And what is ever-changing is our opinions and our thoughts about things. So I'm not trying to steer you away from giving advice. I'm just encouraging you that when you do give advice to make sure it lines up with the Word of God. James then gives three illustrations. Verse 3 says, If we put bits into the mouths of horses so that they obey us, we guide their whole bodies as well. Now, I don't know if any of you have horses or if you like horses or if you've ever been on a horse or seen a horse. I don't love horses, okay? My wife loves horses. My girls love horses. I don't. They are big. uh, And I've seen tons of videos where they just sling like grown people around. And I'm not really even a grown person. So they can definitely just sling me wherever they want. But here's the cool thing. I've also seen little tiny kids get on the back of a horse and control 
that huge, powerful animal. I don't get it. I don't want to be the one trying to control it. But they control it with just something so small. And that's the illustration that James is given. And then in verse 4, he says, hey, look at also the ships and how big they are, but they could be directed by just a small rudder. And then he says, how great a force is set ablaze by such a small fire. And the tongue is a fire, a world of unrighteousness. The tongue is set among our members, staining the whole body, setting on fire the entire course of life, and set on fire by hell. For every kind of beast and bird, of reptile and sea creature can be tamed and has been tamed by mankind, but no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. With it we bless our Lord and Father, and with it we curse people who are made in the likeness of God. From the same mouth come blessing and cursing. Now, I want you to look at human history and the, the highs and the lows of human history. And every event in history had some type of great rhetoric behind it. So if we look at the lows, if we look at the Holocaust, it had some great rhetoric, not great as in the sense of, of positive, but great in the sense that there was a good communicator that was communicating words to people. And these words became reality. We see that in, in history. Anytime we look at something in history, we see that there was, there was rhetoric that pushed this, that drove this to reality. We see it now with abortion in our own world in present day time. We see that the baby can have a heartbeat. It may have its own DNA. The brain waves are functioning. It can feel pain. But hey, it's not a baby. Right? It's a clump of cells. It's an it. And as long as we, we say those words, then those words become reality. We dehumanize abortion. And you can do whatever you want with an it. And this is what happens in, in the history of our world. Is that this rhetoric, these words are powerful, and these words direct reality in our lives. So the more that people dehumanize babies, the more that people talk about babies not being babies and not having a heartbeat and not having their own DNA and their brains not functioning and, and them really feeling pain, as long as they don't say that stuff and they just say, hey, it's just a choice, it's just cells, then it's easier for them to do whatever they want to an it and to a clump of cells. But on the other side, if we speak life, if we speak the truth in this situation, then that can become reality. So I just want you to understand that words are powerful. Words are full of power. Life and death, wounds and healing. Words become reality the more that we say them. And number two is this, and I just want to camp out here for a little while this morning is words reveal the progress of our faith. Words reveal the progress of our faith. Verse 2 says, For we all stumble in many ways, and if anyone does not stumble in what he says, he is a perfect man, also able to bridle his whole body. So why does James talk about the body here? If we go to Luke 6.45, it says, The good person out of the good treasure of his heart produces good. And the evil person out of his evil treasure produces evil, for out of the abundance of the heart his mouth speaks. 
Here's the deal. And this is what we have to understand this morning. The words that come out of our mouth come directly from our heart. But here's, that's a, it's, it's cool that God gives us this gift, right? We don't have to wonder if we're angry people. If it comes out of our mouth, we know we're angry people because it's coming from our heart. Do you just go off on people sometimes? Maybe you have kids that don't always behave. Do you ever just snap on them? Do you ever just, you just always just want to yell at people and you say, well, you know what? I just didn't get a lot of sleep. They're listening to absolutely nothing that I'm saying. And it's like, yeah, you know what? Don't try to justify it. I get it. Maybe those are the events that led up to you snapping. But you still snap. You don't have to guess. If it comes out of your mouth, it came from your heart. And that's just a cool gift that God gave us. Like, we don't have to wonder. It, it comes out. And maybe it's not anger. Maybe it's, it's jealousy. Have you ever just been somewhere where you, there's someone that just always has to one-up? Like, they just always have to one-up you. It's like, hey, you know what? I just started running the mile. This is a true story for me, kind of. I just started running the mile, and, man, I'm pretty excited. And, you know, I'm telling, telling you about it. This guy's like, yeah, well, cool. How fast did you run it? Well, you know, under 10 minutes. And he's like, yeah, that's cool. I ran one in six and a half. Well, good for you, buddy. Like, I'm not trying to, I'm not trying to compete here. I'm trying not to be fat. Like, but that's what people do. They, they try to one up. And have you met people like that? Maybe that's you. Maybe, maybe that's you. That's just coming out of your heart. So I just want us to be honest this morning and something that I struggled with for so long and I didn't know why is that I always sought the approval of man. Like I wanted other people to tell me that I was doing something good. Uh, I wanted other people to tell me how handsome I was or how good I was at this sport or how good of a, a preacher I was or how good of a youth pastor and how, how cool I was as a, as a youth pastor. And how that came out was arrogance and overconfidence and always just seeking the approval of other people. And I really, I had to seek out some wise counsel and say, hey, I just don't understand why this is happening. Like, I don't understand why this, this egotistical stuff is coming out of my mouth. I don't understand this arrogance. I don't understand why I always want other people to, to say something good about me. I don't get it. And, and this pastor sat me down and said, hey man, you know what? I, I really don't think that it's arrogance. I really don't think that it's, it's you being egotistical. I think that you're just insecure. And that's, that's what's in your heart is insecurity. So that's what's coming out to try to cover that insecurity up. And the more that I just sought after God, then I realized, you know what? Man, I, I'm so insecure. And here's the reason. And this is, this is the problem with our hearts is that our hearts are driven by our identity. Our hearts are driven by our identity. So this is what I was doing. I was putting my identity in being the best youth pastor or being the best baseball player or being the funniest guy in the room. And that was my identity. My identity wasn't in who Christ has said I was. 
It wasn't in the, in the fact that, hey, God says, hey, you're chosen, you're loved, you're forgiven. I'm, I'm pouring out my mercy and my grace upon you. That, that isn't where my identity was resting. See, my identity was rooted in stuff that was temporal. And when that happens, here's the problem. Listen to me. When that happens, then we are forced to tear other people down because if we lose our identity, then we're lost. So when our identity isn't in Christ, let me give you an example. Maybe you're a salesman and your identity is being the best salesman. Or maybe you're a mom and your identity is being the best mom. Here's the problem with that. When another salesman comes in and their numbers are a little better than yours and Bob comes up and says, hey man, Dave's numbers are pretty good. I think he's going to get you this month. At that moment, because your identity is being the best salesman, you're forced to tear Dave down. Because if he dethrones you as the best salesman, you no longer have an identity. And it's the same thing if you're trying to be the best mom. And your, your friend comes up and says, hey, I really love the way that Sharon parents her kids. And you're like, yeah, I don't. Like a whirlwind? Like, I guarantee you one of her kids is going to grow up to be a serial killer. Like, we have to tear down because our identity is threatened. It's at stake. But when our identity is rooted in who Christ says we are and what Christ has already done, it gives us the freedom to celebrate the gifts and the abilities of other people. We no longer are threatened. We no longer have to tear other people down to keep our identity. We get to build people up. What compels such nastiness out of our mouths is a misplaced identity in things that can be taken from us instead of an identity in the one thing that can never be taken. And this morning, and my, my challenge for us this morning is that we, we realize where our identity is. Because what comes out of our mouth comes directly from our heart. And our heart is driven by our identity. So what's your identity in this morning? Is your identity in trying to be the best parent you can be? And I'm not telling you not to try to be a good parent. I try to be a good parent. I'm not always. I try to be. But you know what? That's, that's not my identity. I try to be a great husband. Not always. But you know what? That's not where my identity is. It frees me up that if I don't live up to that expectation, it's okay because my identity wasn't in that. My identity is in who Christ has already said I am and what He's already done in my life. He calls us chosen, a royal priesthood, a holy nation to bring glory and honor to Him. Man, no longer do I have to go places and, and look at pastors and say, yeah, man, I, that pastor's not very good. I would have done it this way or I would have done it that way. Now, don't get me wrong. There are times that it's okay to, to give constructive criticism. We're called to do that as, as friends and Christ followers is to encourage people. And sometimes those are with harsh words, but it's harsh words of love and harsh words that are directed by the Word of God, not by your opinion. But I no longer have to, to look at pastors and, and think that, hey man, I'm better than him. I get to look at pastors now and say, man, look at what God's doing with His gifts and His abilities. See, God is using him 
in this lane and He's using me in this lane. He's given unto all of us a measure. And I'm just going to play in my space and do what He's called me to do. And I'm encouraging you this morning to find your identity in who Christ says you are. And my, my prayer for you individually and my prayer for Impact Church is that we're marked by edification and encouragement. And what if that was your life? What if when people saw you, they knew that you were going to speak life into them? They knew that you were going to be edifying and encouraging with your words. We can't do that unless our identity is rooted in Christ. Because that frees us up to not have to live up to this fake standard that we've created for ourselves. We no longer have to tear people down because our identity isn't at stake. God's done it. It's sealed. It's finished. Where are you this morning? And I'm not even talking about with your words, with your heart. You don't have to guess. Stop guessing. Don't try to justify it. Are you an angry person? You'll know if it comes out of your mouth, it's in your heart. You're angry. A lot. I mean, we, we try to justify it. Say, man, I'm not really angry. I'm just tired. No, you're angry. Well, I'm not really jealous. I just, I want to be the best at this and I think he's better. And no, You're jealous. It's okay. Admit it. Because your identity is probably placed in something that's temporal and is going to go away. And my challenge for you this morning is that you make a decision. My challenge for you this morning is that you make a decision to have your identity rooted in Jesus. Think about your words. Think about your heart. Don't justify it. Man, this is, this is where it hit me this week. I'm telling you. I don't know. I snap at my kids sometimes. I'm just, I'm just letting you know. And man, it, it hit me because, you know, we do, we try to justify it. We try to say, hey, you know, if they wouldn't have done this, and if I would have got this much sleep, and if maybe I didn't have to work this many hours, I wouldn't have done that. And maybe that's true. But the fact is that it came out of your mouth, which means it's in your heart. Doesn't matter the events that led up to it. And man, the insecurity that I struggled with for years and years, let me tell you something about the freedom that was experienced from that. And it's a life changer. And man, it changes the game of life. Because no longer is my identity in trying to be the coolest youth pastor. No longer is my identity in trying to be the, the greatest baseball player or the funniest guy in the room. And it frees you up to do what God's called you to do. It's freed you up to be edifying and encouraging to other people. I'm going to close with this really quick. James finishes this passage this way. It says, from the same mouth come blessing and cursing, my brothers. These things ought not to be so. Does a spring pour forth from the same opening both fresh and salt water? Can a fig tree, my brothers, bear olives or a grapevine produce figs? Neither can a salt pond yield fresh water. Here's the deal. James again is talking to Christ followers and he's saying, hey, this, this stuff that you're, you're, you're praising God on Sundays, but on Mondays you're... You're not. You're cursing the very people that are made in the image and the likeness of God. What's going on? 
This ought not to be so. If we're gonna, if we're gonna follow Jesus the way that He's called us to follow Him, if we're gonna live the way that He's called us to live, then we gotta get this right. Because it's not, it's not a mouth issue. It's not a word issue. It's a heart issue. It's a heart issue. And this morning, before we leave this place, man, I want us to get our hearts right. If you're angry, man, I want you down here on your hands and your knees and just praying out to God to take the anger away. Man, if your identity is just is placed in something temporal, something that can be taken away from you, man, I'm, I'm encouraging you this morning to, to place your identity in Christ and who He says that you are. So stand with me this morning. The band's going to sing. We're going to have this response time. The altar's going to be open. Man, and, and don't get me wrong, you don't have to come down here to pray. You can pray right where you are. But there's freedom. There's freedom in admitting where you are and allowing God to take over. And it's, it's a life changer. God, I come to you. God, praying that your spirit's been working. God, I'm confident that there's people in this room whose whose hearts aren't quite right. God, I pray that as we move into this response time that people make the decision that you're calling them to make. God, whether that's to finally begin to follow you. God, maybe there's people in this room that have just never made that decision. God, they don't understand that you've you've called them chosen and loved and forgiven. Maybe they've never accepted that into their life. God, I pray for that person right now. God, that they don't leave this place without knowing you. Without having a saving faith and relationship. God, I pray for the Christ follower in this room whose whose heart's just not quite right. God, they're they're angry. God, maybe they're just full of jealousy, insecurity. God, their identity is in things of this world. God, I pray that they make this step and the decision this morning to place their identity in You and who You say they are. God, free us up to be an individual and to be a, a church that's marked by edification and encouragement. God, help us to to build people up, to speak life into people. God, to have mouths and hearts that that pour out blessings, not death, not wounds, not curse. God, change us in this moment, in this place. We praise things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for joining us at the Impact Church Podcast. For this and other messages, visit us online at impactharlem.org. In the meantime, you can subscribe to this podcast, rate and review it on iTunes, and share it with your friends on social media. Once again, thanks for joining us at the Impact Church Podcast.